we're kind of in between, and I just wanted to preach about walking in the Spirit today. That was the subject the Lord gave me, walking in the Spirit. Let's pray, and we'll get into uh, several passages will be up on the screen for you. We'll kind of be all over the Bible today. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. We get to walk in the Spirit. We get to know you. We get to enjoy you and interact with you as our spirit in our lives and in our hearts. We thank you for loving us, saving us, and giving us this wonderful hope of everlasting life. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. All right. So, you know, God has designed us in his universe uh, for every created being to have a distinct job. Every person in every church and organization, every school, every family, if you will, has a specific job. Do you get that? And so it is likewise in the Godhead itself. God has jobs within the Godhead. The three personalities of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. They all do stuff different than the other one, but they're still one God. There's overlap, certainly, but we want to talk today about the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and, and how the Holy Spirit performs His works harmoniously with the Father and with the Son. So we'll talk about, first of all, the person of the Spirit, the person of the Spirit. And we want to deal with four aspects of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible says to us, first of all, in John 14, that he's a comforter, one who's uh, called alongside. He's summoned. He, he's, he's, he pleads another one's cause, if you will, before a judge. He's our helper. He's our assistant. Look here in John 14. The Bible says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Say comforter. Then he may abide with you forever. Even, notice, the spirit of truth. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwells with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. He goes on to say, I will come to you. That's a wonderful blessing in and of itself. He's our comforter. And so as our comforter, the spirit is several different things, and we'll just kind of talk about them one at a time. So as such, he's eternal. The Bible talks about him as being forever. You know, God ain't in some apartment across town. He abides in the same house, in the same circumstances, in the same jobs where we live forever. Aren't you glad about that? And you know, the Bible would say to us in Proverbs 18, 24, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Yes? And so as our comforter, he's eternal. The Bible says he's also true. Notice he's a uh, uh, the, the, the spirit of truth we see there in verse number 16. Do you see that? You know, there's so many false spirits out here today that it really makes us appreciate the few authentic and reliable and honest ones, doesn't it? Notice not only is he eternal and true, but as our comforter, he's exclusive. He's exclusive. The world can't receive him. Only we can receive him. The world can't get what we have. Do you understand that? You know, the, the, I remember those Oh, like in the, um, not Peanuts, but uh, in the Little Rascals, they had this little club, you know, for girls and boys only club, you know what I'm talking about? And, and so, you know, how we used to have those as kids. And and um, and, and, and so we, we, we complete with the private treehouse and the whole bit, right? And only boys or only girls could come. You had the little secret room or whatever it was. And so, and you remember how special you felt being part of that organization, right? Well, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us that exclusivity, ours and ours all alone. Amen? He only inhabits believers. Do you understand that? So he's also co-equal with God and Jesus Christ. 
Notice he says, I will come to you. I will come to you. So when he talks about that, he's speaking in the same breath that uh, the Spirit would come in. So Jesus Christ is speaking as the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God speaks as Jesus would. They speak one and the same thing. And so also the fact that he's eternal, it shows us that he's co-equal with God the Father. He has that same eternality that God has. So we see all three working together harmoniously now in these few verses. So not only is the Spirit our comforter, but I want you to see something else. He is also a teacher of spiritual truth. The Bible says that about him. Look here in uh, the screen. The Bible says in John 14, 25, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, notice that, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? And he shall bring things, all things, to your remembrance. And, and I would like to add probably things that you need to know, <laughs> right? Whatsoever I have said to you. And so he's a teacher of spiritual truth. It's very clear about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul would say elsewhere, follow with me in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and following, but God hath revealed them, that is the deeper things of God, the truths of God, to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man? For example, you have a conversation with your home, homeboy or your homegirl. How do you know each other unless you know each other? You know what I'm saying? How do you how do you get down to where they were, girl? You know, you know, you know, you really don't mean that, <laughs> right? And so forth and so on. You ain't gonna quit. You ain't gonna stop. You know, I know you better than that, right? And so, uh, so what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? So it is that the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Are you with me? Verse twelve. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words, by the way, which man's wisdom speaks or teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. And he compares spiritual things with spiritual Bible verse with Bible verse life example with Bible verse um, a, a mistake with Bible verse triumph with Bible verse. So he always has Bible for wherever you are on that space-time continuum spiritual thing, right? Whatever it is. I'm just being funny. But, but he compares spiritual with spiritual. But the natural man, those who don't know Jesus, the Bible says they receive not the things of the Spirit of God. They're not in the boys-only club. They're not in the girls-only club. For they are foolishness to them. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually understood or discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So we've seen that the Spirit is our comforter. He is our teacher. But thirdly, the Holy Spirit bears witness of the Father. He does a lot of stuff. That's why we all the Bible. He's a big, big character in Scripture. The Bible says in John 15, but when, in verse 26, when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds, by the way, he proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. So there's no one upping in the Godhead. They speak well of one another. They're all on the same page. And you shall bear, and he also, you shall also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. John would say elsewhere in 1 John 5 and verse 5 and following, who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God, he 
This is he, the son, if you will, that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. We'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. And this is the spirit that beareth witness, because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Here's your trinity again. The Father, the Word, that's Jesus' eternal name, the Word of God, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Do you see that? There it is. And there are three that bear witness on earth. They testify of the validity of the, the triunity in heaven. This is the triunity on earth. This is where we don't have to spend a little time talking about it. But he says that is of the Spirit. The water and the blood. These three agree in one. Mm. What in the world does that mean? All right. Let's go back to verse 6. Because <laughs> I know you probably fixated and stuck on those verses. Notice he talks about the water and the blood. It's a difficult passage. And, and the first part of verse 6 really reaffirms Jesus' humanity. Okay? And his virgin birth. Every baby is born with water and blood as a part of the natural outflow from the mother. Okay? So verse 6 ties back to verse 5 with reference to Jesus being the son of God through Mary, if you will. Okay? Because he was born a natural child, but his natural parent in heaven is, is God. Yes? And so there was no human intervention. It was only divine intervention that brought him into the world like any baby was born by water and by blood. Are you with me so far? Am I going too fast? Okay. So that's what the water and the blood is. So, so it deals with his humanity. He had to be human to be Jesus, to be the earthly Jesus. He's always been the word, but that word became flesh through the womb of Mary and was born like any baby would. Okay, so that that water literally is the amniotic fluid that came out of Mary. Uh, the beautiful picture that's seen in every in the placenta and all of those uh, things that come out with the afterbirth and so forth. And that's normal human birth. That's a normal everyday thing that happens around the world. The Bible is clear in many places that Jesus was born miraculously. We know that of a virgin. We know that. Okay. But John makes it very clear that Jesus was born a man. He wants to not let us forget that piece. He wasn't born of water only, the Bible says. Because if that would make him a ghost, that would make him a harmless ray passing through the womb of Mary without causing any harm or physical bleeding that all birth mothers experience. Are you hearing me? God could have done that, but he did not do that. Where He was born like any man would, would be born. Rather, Jesus was born as any baby by water, and by blood. That's the significance of the not by water only. Jesus wanted to fully identify us with us then in this regard. So notice in the latter part of verse 6 in our verse there that the spirit bears witness. Here we see the spirit of truth bearing witness with the virgin birth that he orchestrated in the first place. <laughs> here's a few supporting scriptures. We may jump back to this one in a minute, but here's another one I want you to see. Matthew 1 18 and verse 20. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When as his mother Mary, what was her name? Mary. Was espoused to Joseph. Don't if this clause or phrase, whatever this is, after this comma wasn't in here, it would mess up the whole New Testament. Okay? You this 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 has to be in this passage. Okay? Before they came together. Let me say it again. Before they came together, that is as husband and wife intimately because she was a virgin she was found with child of the holy ghost are you with me so far okay so the angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream talking of joseph and said thou son of david fear not to take unto thee mary thy wife 
For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She ain't done no hanky-panky. I got this. I'm totally in control. I prophesied about this way back in Isaiah 700 years ago. This is that passage coming to life. Amen. Welcome to God's program. Amen. And so, so again, let me go back. Because he says in verse 7 in our text, in the text here in 1 John 5, these three are one. Those witnesses in heaven, as well as the three witnesses on earth. Okay. Now, I'm going to tie those together with you, okay? And it will forever indelibly be in your mind because this is the clearest passage on the Trinity, or I call it the tri-unity of God. The Godhead is the ultimate witness or record of the truth of God, okay? We see that. But And of all biblical revelation, by the way, because it was given by there, by God's direct inspiration. You know, book authors, think about this. They often appear at book signings, don't they? They appear at book reviews and expos and so forth to answer questions about their work. Since they wrote it, they're the best candidates to ask what obscure things might mean in the book that they wrote. Okay? So, but I want you to notice again in verse 8, the first part of verse 8, there are three that bear witness on the earth. And he talks about them being the spirit, the water, and the blood. Do you see that? The most striking, and this is taking you back to math, because I'm studying for this, so this is like in my mind, in my mind, in my mind. Common denominator, the common denominator between both lists of three is the spirit. Do you see that? That's in both lists. That's what ties both together. They're not independent lists then. The spirit of God is present in heaven and active in heaven, and he's also present and active on earth, and everything from everything down to the minutia of birth. Are you with me so far? Okay. So, so the common denominator between the heavenly witness and the earthly witnesses is the Holy Spirit. He's in both places. And so, so, so let me talk about this here because I want you to understand this. So um, as such, the Spirit anchors then the truth of heaven to that on the earth. He anchors them together. So he as omnipresent, being everywhere, he can be seen in both places simultaneously because he's God. And, and, and to see, in other words, that his heavenly truth is not corrupted on earth. He would have to be that involved. Okay? He wrote the word of God, by the way. He breathed on men of God as they wrote, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Mm. And so this is why we need the Spirit to illumine our minds to his truth. Uh, in that capacity, he serves as a divine author, then, explaining his work at that book expo, if you will, of our minds. Does that make sense? Mm. So now... What in the world does the water and the blood mean? I'm going to go back to that because I want to tie it all together for you. Water and blood are two of the most commonly occurring substances on this earth. In every animal, uh, in every place in the world, there's some kind of water somewhere. Even in places you can't see it, it's there, underground. So the best answer to this is, again, the miracle of human birth where both water and blood are present in the same place. Okay? Uh, birth is the one fundamental phenomenon common to all times, all places, and all cultures. Are you hearing me say amen? So as such, it is the best earthly witness to our humanity, and it needs to be anchored to the God of both heaven uh, and the spirit of heaven. So that's why we must be born again, amen, to begin a new life in Christ. Birth is so fundamental, hear me now, uh, to physical life and spiritual life. John here next says that these three agree in one, the latter part of verse 8. Let's talk about that. That word for agree 
uh, means to be, literally. It is the verb in Greek, to be. Okay? And so they agree. They are one. Literally, the verse reads, these three are one. And so blood cannot exist without water. 83% of blood is water. Did you know that? And neither can exist without the life-giving. Neither one of them can exist without the life-giving, creative hand of God's Holy Spirit. So from that standpoint, these three earthly witnesses, the blood, the water, and the spirit, okay, are one. Just as the ones in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in heaven are one. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Let, let, let me break it down. So just as the Holy Spirit has always been present in heaven and earth, um, as do supreme heavenly witness to God's truth and sinner's new birth. Think about this. A midwife, we've used one twice with our three children, two of our kids were born via a midwife, is the best example of an earthly witness to the validity of human birth. Is it not? They were there. They saw everything, even before and after. <laughs> Think about it. You know, our midwife was present. Kathy's midwife, really. I was just there. But but, but, but really, but the midwife was, was present from the moment that her contractions reached a certain point until our last two children were born. Are you with me? And even a few hours afterward, just to make sure everything was okay. And so she even followed up at our home the very next day. Sweet lady. Kathy also saw her at her office at least once or so afterwards. And so the midwife then is the best earthly witness. Are you hearing me? Of the most common natural happening on this earth. And that is human birth. She was there to witness and declare the gender of the child. It's a boy. It's a girl, right? She was the first to hear what we decided to name the baby and had her helper document the name, the measurements, the weight, the general health of both Mia and Andrew. Isn't that amazing? So in 1 John 5 and verse 9, it goes on to teach, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Yes? For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. See, the water and the blood, these earthly witnesses of the truth of Christ and the Bible, is reflected in the statement, the witness of men, the witness of men. See, the earthly water and the blood corroborated by the Spirit are the witness of men. It's not, we don't, we, it, we don't have to just take our word on it. It's corroborated in heaven too, <laughs> okay? And so furthermore, if we receive this earthly witness of natural human birth, as miraculous as it is, and, and as crazy miraculous as Jesus' birth was, then we can also receive that of a midwife, yes? Mm. Or those who function in the hospital in that similar capacity. So how much more then should we receive the witness of God through his spirit concerning, hear me, the virgin-born son, Jesus Christ, his book, uh, and so forth, being the greatest ever written as being fully true, fully trustworthy, and effective in our lives. So this ain't just a Reader's Digest. I want you to understand it. Yeah. Okay? All right? And so 1 John 5.10 goes on to read. Okay? And I throw it up here on the screen. I think I have it. Yep. He that believes on the Son of God hath the witness, the witness of the earth and the heaven that we just broke down for you. You have that witness in yourself. He that believes not God has made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of his son. Are you with me so far? So we have seen that the Holy Ghost is our comforter. He is our teacher and he bears witness to the father. But I want you to see lastly that he is God's agent of reproof, 
of judgment and revelation. Here's another passage in John 16. The Bible says in seven and following, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. You don't want to miss this piece for your life. This, this is important for you that I go away. This is the earthly Jesus speaking to earthly people. He would have to eventually go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He says, and when he has come, he will reprove the world. Here is now his new ministry, the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they don't believe on me. So they need some kind of witness to jumpstart their faith in me because they're not believing in me. They're still in the club. They're still in the streets. They're still doing what they do. Are you with me? Say amen. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. Say all truth. All truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and shall show whatever it is that I have to offer, whatever good doctrine or, or, or goodwill or purposes, plans that I have. He'll show you those. Okay, That's what his job is, is to reveal those to you. He shall receive of mine and shall show it, whatever it is he wants to show you unto you. I'm kind of like that at my school. I'm the one um, kind of odd person off the beaten track who's between the teacher and the student. Um, I'm not licensed, so I can't teach. Uh, I can't even sub in the school district, but I can certainly help the teacher teach the children. That's why I have to pass these professional tests and so forth to be highly qualified to be able to interact that way with the children. So I'm sort of like the, that go-between, if you will. I show the, the teacher what the teacher wants to show the class. Or, excuse me, I show the kids what the teacher wants to show them. So I speak on her on his behalf. Does that make sense? And that's how the Holy Spirit functions. So it's good being a teacher, amen? It's good. So all things that the Father have are mine, he says, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and he shall show it unto you. Do you see that? So he's God's agent of reproof, of judgment, and revelation. Let's dig a little bit deeper to see what Christ means by three key statements I want you to see about the Holy Ghost in verses 9 through 11. Follow along here with me. First of all, because he says, of sin, of sin. Because they believe not on me. You see that phrase in there? Mm -hmm. the, the ramifications, folks, of unbelief are huge in Scripture, eternally and in this present age. So, so to not believe God is the highest of, of, of sins, hell-deserving sins. And so they're huge for lost sinners in both the human realm and even in the angelic realm. Here's another verse. Let me, let, let, me, let me shoot this up for you to see. Jude 1, 5 and 6 says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. There's that word, believe. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Why? Because they didn't believe. And they caught about close as you can get to God. Amen. And they didn't believe. So who is we? Right. So God, even in the angelic realm, had to put down unbelief. But then let's look at this next phrase back in our text here. We're looking at of judgment of judgment or excuse me, of, of righteousness, because you see me no more because you see me no more. See, the point here being that the world's greatest example of righteousness, the Lord Jesus, 
he will be killed. He'll go away to the Father. Someone must fill those shoes that sinners will believe. Yes? Mm. And so thus the Holy Spirit empowers us to look and act like him before a lost world. So without the comforter, we would look and act just like them. Mm. Remember, Peter? I go fishing. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, as soon as it was kind of getting down to the end, it didn't look like Jesus was coming back. Yo, boys, we're going fishing. We said, we're going with you. Right? That's why Jesus had to keep coming back and showing himself over and over again to remind them, wait a minute, they ain't all there is. Okay? Get on back off that boat. Come on back over here to the shore. We got work to do. So without the comforter, we, we would just look and act like the world. We have no examples to follow. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So we see of sin, of righteousness, and then thirdly, third key statement, of, of judgment or justice, if you will. Because the prince of this world, we already talked about the angelic realm is judged. So who are we? So in other words, if he would judge the angelic, the highest realm that we know of, apart from the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, then we will be too. Satan is judged as well. If the chief officer of evil and the sin in the universe was uh, once the chief of all the angels in heaven, how are we going to escape <laughs> as humans? Yes? With all those stuff that we do. Revelation 20 and verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. Do you get that? Yeah. You know, man's judgment, folks, is inevitable. Mm -hmm. And so we must warn everybody that we can, through the power of God's Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. um, let me close with this. In Genesis, the Holy Spirit is God's active, life-giving force in this world. He moved upon the waters, and they sprang to life. He breathed into man's nostrils and he stood up. I said, and he stood up uh, in Judges. He came upon Othniel and he judged Israel and went out to battle for them. Amen. He came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet in Israel. He came upon Jephthah and he passed over the enemies and fought for Israel. That same spirit moved mightily in Samson at various times. Amen. And in the book of Acts, we see that he later filled and empowered the church to reach the world for Christ. In the revelation, he is seen at the beginning and at the end. Amen. In chapters one and verse four, John was the spirit. The Bible says I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And in the end of Revelation 22 and verse 17, he is there with the Godhead pleading for all to come. Amen. Same spirit in the beginning of Revelation at the end of Revelation and all points in between. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, the revelation in Revelation, the spirit speaks to the seven churches there in uh revelation and uh and he says some things to them and uh then after the beast kills two witnesses in revelation they lie dead in the street for three and a half days here we pick it up and after three days and i had the spirit of life from god came and entered into them amen the same spirit, by the way, we've been preaching about all along. He's still active from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. And the Bible says they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. Hmm. Folks, I want you to understand that this spirit does what he does and he's going to continue to do what he does. Amen. Hmm. And so the spirit is a spirit of life not a spirit of death. He wants to empower us for his service. Amen. I thought I was done, but I got another point. Sorry. Amen. So, 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 so far we've seen the Holy Spirit work in our world. 
Now I want you to see real quick here with me the Spirit's ministry to the Christian. Four great works. I'll just give them to you here. One is that he seals us. Notice that. The Bible says, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed hmm. to the day of redemption. One of the hallmarks of a really good mailing or transport company, think about this, is how well they package and seal a cargo or a package. That makes all the difference whether our precious cargo gets where it's going to go in one piece, doesn't it? So, in fact, there's strict laws. There's international standards that are involved in how cargo and how packages are supposed to be sealed, especially if they're hazardous. God's Holy Spirit vacuum seals us, wraps us up tightly until we're finally delivered to the Father on eternal redemption day for eternal safekeeping. He hasn't lost, by the way, a package yet. Not only does he seal us, seal us, but he interprets our prayers to the Father. Look at this next passage. The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, uh, our, our, our problems, our difficulties, our, our sicknesses, whatever. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He helps us pray when we're weak. He helps, the Bible says, our infirmities. Sometimes we're too weak to pray on our own. You ever been there? The Holy Ghost revives us and gives us a reason to pray and to shout and even laugh again. Amen? Yes. You know, it's never a bad time to pray. You know, the Holy Ghost is kind of like flowers when you think about it. Flowers are acceptable and welcomed at all occasions. Weddings, funerals, anniversaries, awards, proms, plays, sick rooms and hospitals, birthdays, graduation, Mother's Day, Valentine, and almost every other holiday. Even Christmas. I've given flowers on Christmas. Amen. I ain't never had any turn down yet. So whenever you think of flowers and the smile that they bring to your face, think about the sweet that and that sweet aroma that's in your nose and the happiness in your heart. Think of the Holy Ghost influence on your life. Amen. Every time that you receive some flowers, no matter the circumstance. Yes? He seals us. He interprets our prayers to the Father, but he also fills us. Notice the Bible says. Uh, for Christian service. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. That's too much. But be filled with the Spirit. That's what we need to be filled and controlled by. See, what we're filled with determines what controls us and how we act, yes? You fill a balloon with water, and it's controlled by it, isn't it? It becomes heavy. It becomes unstable. And if frozen, it can become a weapon. When you think about it, now that thing is a rock. So you fill that same balloon with air, it becomes a soft, light child's toy to bat around in their hands. Just put helium in the same balloon, and now that balloon is controlled by a gas lighter than air, and it floats. Same balloon, different substance inside of it. And, and so, um, and, and so, however, try as we may, it is difficult to fill a balloon with dirt. I'm supposing you could do it, but at least not to the point that it expands as if it's filled with those three other elements that we just talked about. So that makes balloons smarter than us as Christians, doesn't it? Mm. So we're apt to fill our minds with the filth of this world, even force feeding it to the point that our balloon breaks and then the filth runs out and contaminates other people. But I see a fourth thing that he does and he empowers us. He empowers us. I'm so glad because just getting up out of the bed in the morning sometime with difficulties and physical problems and what have you is just to know that he empowers. Lord, thank you. You made these feet and ankle bones strong one more day. Amen. He empowers us to wait for the hope of righteousness. The Bible says in Galatians 5.5. 5. And in that context there, um, 
we see that really it, it, the righteousness is futilely based on works, but righteousness, the Bible says, is by faith. The Bible says in our passage up on the screen, now to him that works, in other words, you're doing this, you're going here, you're doing this for God, whatever. Your reward is not reckoned of grace. You doing that. You're doing that in your own strength. Okay? But of debt, now you owe God real time. Okay? Like the 70 years we talked about in Zechariah, they owe God that 70 years back of daytime. Have you fasted these 70 years to me? Amen? So he says, to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, that person's faith is counted for righteousness. Do you yeah. see that? Yeah. The dichotomy here? And so so, so when we think about the fact that, that he empowers us, um, we think about the fact that... Um, that that uh, that we have all these wonderful things to look forward to if we do them right and we do them in him. Look at one other little verse here. Psalm 119, 142 says this. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and thy law is the truth. Yes. Mm. So we look forward to a day of everlasting righteousness. But his empowerment also keeps us steadfast in him. The Bible says in in us. Uh, Psalm 51 and verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit. Sometimes we got wrong spirit in us, amen? We got to have that spirit made right, and we need a, a right spirit within us. And so we learn three corollary truths here. Number one, there's a difference between God's spirit and our human spirit. Do you get that? There's a difference, okay? Big S and little s spirit. Notice he says the spirit within me, that's man's spirit. These communicate, though, with each other by the dedicated walkie-talkie line that we talked about earlier that connects the witnesses in heaven with the ones on earth. That's the line between the walkie-talkies. Mm -hmm. See, the blood and the waters on one end, that's the thing you hold in your hand. The line going to heaven is the Holy Ghost. And then it connects right on back up, Holy Ghost, God, and Father. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen? But the line in between, don't miss that line in between, is the Holy Ghost. Yes? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what keeps us connected to heaven. Well, that's who, I should say, keeps us connected. And so, so, so there's also a difference here um, between a, a right spirit and a wrong spirit, a right human spirit and a wrong human spirit. Notice the Bible says and in Psalm 78 and verse 8, and that we might not be like our fathers, <laughs> you know, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose what? Spirit. Whose spirit was not steadfast with God. There it is. And so there's a third truth I want you to see. When we think about being empowered, the Holy Spirit is the one who energizes our spirit to do God's will and to please God. He says, create in me, renew in me. He's asking God to do this. I can't do this in and of myself. Yes? You know, spiritual renewal, folks, requires that we give God something to work with. Yeah. See, a potter can't form hard, dry clay, can he? A tennis player can't play on gravel. A policeman can't help an irate, uncooperative perpetrator. See, see, the clay will never become anything useful and must be thrown away. The tennis player will lose his or her footing and get hurt. The, the police officer who might have been lenient must now arrest the person because you just couldn't keep your mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Likewise, God's Holy Spirit can't do what he must if we're hard and slippery and uncooperative. Are you hearing me say amen? I'm on my last page. Hang in there with me, okay? So when we think about all that the Holy Spirit does for us, there comes a time 
when we must put on the brakes, mm -hmm. where we must honestly evaluate where we really are spiritually to see if we're just fooling ourselves and playing church. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you care about us, you 